0: Sound Stripe Sound Stripe Hey everybody, this is Harriet Westmore with the More Wine and Music Podcast, the podcast where I discuss the American history of music over a glass of wine. Tonight, I am going cheap, as I usually do. Um, it's one of my favorites. What can I say? I mean, I, I, I don't have to have that hoity-toity type of glass of wine in order to you know, get a good taste. I'm drinking my usual Calarasi, um Sangria. So that's what I'm drinking tonight. All right. Um, I want everybody to um check out um the items that I have um, listed on the www.morewineandmusic.com website. I now have T-shirts, I have tote bags, and I have um, coffee mugs that you can purchase. And I'm going to stand up because I'm going to. I have one of the T-shirts on now. I think it looks pretty cool. I mean, it comes in white and it comes in black. I personally like the black um, and the uh, print of it. I think that looks really good. So, if you're interest if you're interested in purchasing um, a T-shirt or tote bag with the uh, More Wine and Music podcast logo, logo, excuse me. Um, go to the www.morewineandmusic.com website and um, purchase your your items. Actually, when I um, put in the order for this, I ordered it like I think either Monday or Tuesday and I received it yesterday, Thursday. So they do um, ship pretty fast. So... All right, just, um, just hope you'll, you know, consider it and I'll appreciate it. I hope I'm not uh, freezing. It looks like I am. So if anybody notice any freezing, I hope not. Look like my, um, as I'm looking at myself on the screen, it look like my voice is kind of uh, being kind of delayed. All right. Well, I'm going to keep going. Whether I'm freezing or not, hopefully it'll work itself out. All right. This week's episode is episode eight. And it's about Sonny Boy Williamson number one and Sunny Boy Williamson number two. Now, if you were listening last week, I had said one of the Sunny Boy Williamson's I have a personal connection to. And I'll let you know at the end which one it is. Okay, so I'm gonna start with um, Sunny Boy Williamson number one. And by the way, if you um, are watching live, Please, um, if you want to join in on a comment, please post in the comment section. Um, if you want to have a question or or a comment, feel free to join in and post a comment. Okay, here we go. Sonny Boy Williamson, number one, who was actually named John Lee Curtis Williamson. He was... Um, To me, he was an unknown artist that um, really didn't get his just dues because of the fact that uh, I think because of the fact that he wasn't well known. He was on the verge of being well known, but uh, he didn't quite make it. But he was a, a songwriter, a harmonica player. And by, you know, a lot of counts, he was basically the pioneer of the harmonica player playing of the blues genre. And he was mostly famous in the Chicago post-WW1, I'm sorry, World War II era. It wasn't just the, um, just uh, being um, just a harmonica player, just born in, in the country. Um, he became famous during World War II. So but how did he, but how did he start? Where did he come from? We always we always got to start from the beginning. All right, John Lee Curtis Williamson was born March 30th in 1914 in Bemis, Tennessee, which is now a part of Jackson, Tennessee. He was born to Ray Williamson and Nancy Utley. His father died when John Lee was uh, just a baby. And the cause of his father's death was basically an accident. I guess he was playing baseball and he got hit by the baseball. And they said that he was, I guess it had to be a very hot day because he was drinking lemonade. And I guess the cold it was a cold lemonade he got hit by a baseball and i guess he had a brain freeze which was pretty weird and he and he died i see that my husband is on online hi sweetheart you should be getting off work pretty soon i know i'm kind of late um recording this but you know i just uh got finished writing my script so i'll see you soon but anyway anywho Um, the family's income or lack of their, their for lack of income was, uh, the usual sharecropper. He was a sharecropper as most, most of the, the early blues artists, the families were. So, um, John Lee was no different. His family, um, was picking cotton. He was picking cotton alongside his mother. And I think he had a lot of, uh, he had quite a few brothers and sisters, um after his father died um his mom i don't think she remarried um so she raised her children as a single as a single mom so um at the age of 11 her his mom bought him a, a harmonica for christmas and what did she do that for that was the start of um him teaching himself how to play he became very interested in music so he Whenever he had the time, he um, between chores, between picking cotton, between you know farming, he would practice that harmonica, and um, he would also pick up listening by other listening to other blues players on the uh, old crank phonograph back in the day. You know, a lot of the phonographs were, you know, you had to crank it up and listen to records. Well, that's how he became to uh, look at, uh, uh, listen to a lot of the the songs, and he became interested. And he started to emulate a lot of the songs that he was listening to through his harmonica. By the time he um, became sixteen years old, he was actually pretty good at playing the harmonica, and. He was playing um, throughout the local town of um, Jackson. I guess, I think there's, from what I read, there was a particular street in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, I'm sorry, Jackson, not Jackson, Jackson, Tennessee. Sorry about that. I've been doing so much of uh, Mississippi blues artists, you know, kind of going out of the, uh, going out of the Delta for a little bit. I'm going into Tennessee. So Jackson, Tennessee um, it was called Shannon Street. And that was where mostly, you know, if you're going to play music or, you know, any type of songs, it would be on that in that area. So he was no exception. And he met up with um, playing with uh, other blues artists, such as Sleepy John Estes, who was very well known in, in the Tennessee area. Um, James Yank Rochelle or Rachel And he traveled with them throughout the Deep South. In 1934, after being tired of touring around the South, that he pretty much figured by that time that if he wants to become famous and do more than what he was doing, you know, of where he came from, he's got to go up North. So he traveled to the North and to Chicago. And during that time, when he traveled to Chicago, he became known as Sonny Boy instead of John Lee, Curtis, Williamson. So he's now known, he changed his name or people started calling him Sunny Boy, Sonny Boy Williamson. So from here on out, I'm going to refer to him as Sonny Boy Williamson number one, all right? So when he got to Chicago, um, he began to play in these clubs such as the black and tan clubs, which you can probably figure with those type of clubs, where they were only for exclusively for blacks, because obviously a lot of black uh, people couldn't go um, into white, you know, establishments. So they had their own, like we always do. We can't get into one um, clubs if we're not wanted in in certain clubs, and Okay, we'll make our own. We have our own establishments, and that's what uh, Chicago had. They had these black and tan clubs, um, which was, you know, a lot of them was pretty upscale. You know, it wasn't the country juke joint that you, you know, normally would have um, down south. In Chicago, it's a little bit more, you know, stylish, a little more classy, and that's what uh, um, Sunny Boy Number One eventually started playing um he was beginning to get really well to where he was composing his own music um and he became a background session player um a company player to a lot of the uh famous blues artists that was in the chicago at that time such as um muddy waters so um In his during the recording, he started recording for, um, I think it said Victor Records. And they said because he had a a distinct style. Um, First of all, he had a speech impediment, which I forgot to mention as a kid. So the way he talked, it kind of, he talked like he was slurring a little bit, but he was able to incorporate that handicap into his style of um singing and his style of music when he was playing so that kind of created a individual kind of a different style that you know wasn't hurt you know up until that that time so i mean you know he took his um disability and made it work for him all right he um recorded his first song was called good morning, little school girl. And, um, he recorded, like I said, for Victor records, which was a subsidiary of the famous, um, recording label, a bluebird, bluebird record label. Um, he also, the songs that he, um, sang and played the harmonica was called who do who do and shake the boogie. Um, Another thing about him that was unique was he didn't forget his roots. Even though he was up in Chicago, he had a way of um, infusing that country style of playing the harmonica, but then he would um, use it to the more upbeat. A lot of, at, by that time, like in the early thirties, late twenties and early thirties, you know, in Chicago, they weren't, you know, really playing the old country, you know, uh, down in the Delta type Southern um, blue style. It was getting to be more upbeat. So he was able to infuse that rustic country style, but bring it up a couple, you know, up-temple the beat and the music. And during the recording sessions, when he would record his songs, they say that he was, I mean, his tempo was so loud. I mean, he would, as he's playing, he would tap his foot and the foot would be, you know, his tapping would be so loud to where during this recording session that they would have to have a pillow underneath his feet because you could hear his, you know, stomping. Of of the of his foot as he's playing his harmonica and singing, so he was really into it, and it became so wild to where they had to, you know, kind of curve that by putting a pillow under his um, feet to keep, you know, that uh, thumping sound in the um, record. He, um, like I said, he never forgot where he came from. He eventually, um, around 1937, he went up there. He went up to Chicago in 34. In 37, he returned back to his hometown in um, Jackson, Tennessee. And um, in 37, he met and married his wife, who was Lacey Bell Davidson, on March 13th, 1937, which is coincidentally my father and my mother-in-law's birthday, was March 13 after you know they've gotten married down there they uh, returned back to Chicago where he continued to um, play around the local establishments and he became he became pretty famous he became really famous and people wanted to um, have him you know re- be part of their recording sessions so, he, um, worked with, like I said, he worked with on um, Muddy Waters and, um, other, another artist called, um, Big Joe Williams, where he originally met him in Memphis on the infamous, um, Beale Street. Anybody who's, you know, from or know about Memphis, Tennessee, the, the famous, uh, Beale Street is where most of the blues artists from all over would play whenever they're in Memphis. and um, I've been to, my husband and I have been to Beale Street a few times and it, it is live. You know, you go up and down, they have all kinds of clubs and stuff. And so you can um pretty much listen to all kinds of jazz and blues clubs up and down um, Beale Street. In um 1945, between 1945 and 1948, Was basically Sonny Boy Number One's height of um, of his playing. Um, Like I said, he was on the cusp of actually blowing up, but unfortunately, his life was cut short on June first, in nineteen forty eight. Sonny Boy Number One was um, playing at a club. In Chicago, it wasn't that matter of fact, it wasn't that far from where he and his wife lived. So he was paid, I guess he was given 50 cents, but I don't know if it was one of the staff of the club or by a patron. It's not really known. But after that, early in the morning, he was walking back. He was like a block away from his um, from his apartment. Like I said, he wasn't, the club wasn't that far. So it was within walking distance of his, um, of where he was staying. He um, was walking back home and three guys just jumped him. They robbed, you know, they mugged him and they beat him viciously. And on, you know, to make matters even worse, they took the 50 cents. So he, you know, he was beaten into mean, a bloody pulp and was taken. He only had 50 cents in his pocket and they even, they took that. He managed to make it home. Um, he, he and his wife, Lacey Bell, they lived um, on the second floor of an apartment building. So he staggered his way home and um, up the steps and he banged on the door of his apartment And Lacey Bell was, you know, home by herself. And, you know, so she woke up to this loud banging to the door. So she came to the door and saw her husband just, you know, laid in front of the doorstep, you know, covered with blood. And it was said the, you know, all he said was, Lord have mercy. So she managed to get him inside the um, inside their apartment. The ambulance was called and um, he was taken to the hospital but he succumbed to his injuries so he died all over what 50 cents and that was on the South Side of Chicago I'm just saying so that was um you know the short life of um Sunny Boy number 1 John Lee Curtis it's pretty sad but in the meantime enters Alex Rice Miller aka Sonny Boy Williamson, number two. So let's talk about him. Um, Sonny Boy, number two, Rice Miller, he was pretty more well-known only because, you know, he lived longer. He also was a harmonica player. Um, and he also had a distinct style of how he played the harmonica. So, you know, he was became to be more famous than Sonny Boy, number one. But one thing about Sonny Boy number two, is there's a lot of conflicts about his life, especially his earlier life, Of especially when he was born. Um, he was known as to be a, a liar. I mean, he, he would embellish his life a little bit. You know, some things, you know, he would say, That you really wouldn't know if okay is that really true or not? He's probably one of those that was probably a perpetrator, try to put himself out more than what he really was. But he was born Alex um, quote Rice Miller. Um, Some sources, according to his uh, his own account, he said he was born in eight March twelfth of eighteen ninety seven, but in reality he was probably more likely born in 1912. Now, why would he would make himself way older than what he truly was? You know, who knows? I, I don't know. Um, but he was born in um, Glendora, Mississippi. He was actually born the name Alex Ford. His his stepfather was named um, Jim Miller, I guess. I don't know if his mom married his um actual biological father or not or if he even knew who his father was. I I don't know. it, it is again that, that's something that's not clear. But anyway, he took his stepfather's last name of Miller. So his mother's name was Millie Miller. And um it was they were he was born until um from what I Red, you know, he had a large family. You know, he had a bunch of siblings, a lot of brothers and I think um, two sisters. So um, they were sharecroppers um, in the Mississippi area. At the age of five, he was given a harmonica and he taught himself how to play. He became really well um, in playing it. As he became older, Um, He started playing around the Mississippi area into the juke joints and the, you know, local bars and stuff. So um, it was during those times that he was playing, that he developed a, you know, a good stage presence to where he became really good at playing that harmonica that he was able to play the song with the harmonica in his mouth. So he wasn't doing this. I mean, he actually would put that harmonica in his mouth. And actually play the and play the song that he was playing, so that that's how that's his style and that was that that's his trademark. He was able to do that, so that 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 took a lot of talent and took a lot of practice for him to actually freehand style and have the harmonica in his mouth and play every note that he was singing and every note that he was playing the song. You actually can hear the song um, that he's you know playing. So um, throughout the 20s, he would travel around in Mississippi and into Arkansas and play in these um, establishments. And in the 20s or early 30s, he briefly um, met and played with um, Robert Johnson. If you can recall back in episode, was it episode number four, I believe? where I talked about Robert Johnson so um, Sonny Boy Number 2 was able to um, meet up with him and they played together for a brief time matter of fact he also um, played with um, Robert Jr. Lockwood and for a short period Robert Johnson was um, Robert Jr. Lockwood's stepdad which <laughs> they were they weren't that far in age. So I guess Robert was messing around with um Robert Jr. Lockwood's mom, but they were kind of the same age, you know, they weren't that far apart in age. But anyway, that's how uh Robert Lockwood met um Sonny Boy number two is through um Robert Johnson. And even after um, Robert Johnson passed away, Robert, um, Sonny Boy Number 2, would still come around, and that's how um, he and um, Lockwood got together and would play at different venues. Matter of fact, he would play um, with um, Howling Wolf. He got to play with Howling Wolf, Elmore James, and um, Otis Spann. And which I find that interesting and kind of coincidence because those are the same people that Sonny Boy Number One at one time had the had the opportunity to play with. So both Sonny Boys they played with you know with similar artists and they both played harmonicas. In um 1941, Alex or Sunny Boy Number Two. That's when he became dubbed himself as Sunny Boy Williamson. So, why and how he decided to do that, I don't know. He just decided to call himself Sunny Boy Williamson. And in 1941, he was hired to play for this famous. Um, there was this radio show time, this radio show that would come on every day, five days a week uh, at noon. It was called King Biscuit, King Biscuit time. And um, he was hired to play the harmonica. Uh, Robert Lockwood was part of the band. And there was uh, James Pet Curtis, Pine Top Perkins, and Houston Stackhouse. And they were all known, they were known as the King Biscuit entertainers. And if anybody who does, who's not familiar with King Biscuit, King Biscuit back in those days was like, was a flour, was a baking flour. And people would uh, purchase that. uh, It's like a biscuit, I guess, but it was called King Biscuit. And that's where you know you make your biscuits and all that from that particular brand. It's called that's the name of the brand. I guess was called King Biscuit, and that production company, they had a um, they would entertain, and um, have entertainment on the radio where people you know can listen at a certain time. That that was like the show every day at noon. You know, people um, would sit around the, gather around the radio and listen to, you know, different, uh, to to the King Biscuit uh, entertainers. They would play during the King Biscuit time hour. That was the radio show. So um, sharecroppers would come out of the fields around noon because um, they had an hour for, for lunchtime. Um, and during that time, they would come out the fields and come home and and they would gather around or go over whoever's house who had a, a radio, and they would, you know, sit around and listen to the King Biscuit time hour. Well, um, Sunny Boy number two and Robert Lockwood, among with the others that I mentioned, they were the entertainers for that, you know, for that show. But somehow, Sonny Boy number this. This the show was aired in and um, recorded in Helena, Arkansas. I forgot to mention that. So, somehow, this was in 1940 right 1941. Somehow, Sunny Boy number one, John Lee Curtis Williamson, the original Sunny Boy number one, he was in Chicago by that time, but he somehow got wind of Sunny Boy or Alex Rice Miller. Um, using his name, Sonny Boy number one. So John Lee Curtis left Chicago and went straight down to Arkansas, Helena, Arkansas, where King Biscuit Time was being um, aired and, and recorded. And he made um, Rice Miller go off the air you know, claiming that he's using my name and, you know, today in today's standard, that's considered identity theft. Um, so John Curtis, um, you know, went down there and told him look, you know, this is not, I'm Sonny Boy. No, I'm Sonny Boy Williamson. He's not, you know, he's using my name. So he got Rice Miller off the air for a minute, but somehow, um, I guess the 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 show was so popular, to where the production or the re, the recording company they um, somehow made a deal with uh, John Lee Curtis, and I guess that's how they kind of dubbed it. Well, you're Sonny Boy number one. Rice Miller can be Sonny Boy Sonny Boy Williamson number two, and uh, you know I, I guess that's how they settle it. But I, I seriously doubt that um, John Lee um, Curtis received any kind of compensation or royalties. I, I, I'm i pretty sure that he didn't. Um, if he was, you know, intuitive enough or smart, he probably could have if he would have got an attorney and, um, you know, sue for some kind of the company could have paid him something. But I'm sure he didn't. I, I'm sure he didn't because he got killed over 50 cents. So I, I doubt that he got, received any kind of conversation, but anyway, um, so that, that, that's how the Sunny boys were distinguished. And even now, at, you know, when I was doing the, um, the, it's still confusing because a lot of people still don't understand that, Sonny Boy number one and Sunny Boy Number two were two different people, and they still have it mixed up because was as I was um doing the research for both of them, they would have Sonny Boy number One's biography with Sunny Boy number two, Rice Miller's picture. so that they, they they still didn't you know it's it's still kind of confusing unless you actually study and read up on it. But anyways, moving on. Sonny Boy number two, Rice Miller um, from the King Biscuit Show, he gained more and more popularity. Like I said, he was starting to, to played with um, Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf. And um, he actually signed on to uh, chess records, the famous chess records, where most of the early blues artists, such as um, Muddy Waters, they would play for Buddy Guy, he played, he was one of the um, house band um, for chess records. So there was a lot of um, famous artists who record and played for, for that record company. Um, Sunny Boy Number 2 became popular enough, I mean, he was able to travel to Europe and in the UK, and he became a major influence to artists such as um, Eric Clapton, And he even toured and played with the Yardbirds. So um, he played between for chess records between 1955 and until like the early to mid early to early 60s. Um, He eventually left Chicago, left the North area, left touring and returned back. To, to the south, he went. Actually, went back to um, Helena, Arkansas, because King Biscuit, our King Biscuit Time um, program hour, was still recording. So he um, uh, went back to playing for King Biscuit Time in Helena, Arkansas, according to um, the source of um, AllMusic.com on May 25th in 1965. Pine Top Curtis, one of the um, players in um, of the King Biscuit entertainers, and um, Houston Stackhouse, they were wor- waiting for um, Sunny Boy Number Two to um, come to the studio so they could start recording for the for the show. Um, but Sunny Boy didn't show up, so they went to his meager apartment he was living in a um, rooming house actually in Helena Arkansas and um, because that they you know he was late coming to the to the to the recording session for the show and when they went to the his own rooming house they found him he he was dead so apparently he had a heart attack and he died um, in his apartment um, apparently, um, you know, like I said, of a heart attack and he was only what, 54 years old. And if you see pictures of um, Sonny Boy number two, um, he looked a lot older than 54. I mean, you you can, you know, Google Sonny Boy Williamson or put Alex Rice Miller. And if you look at pictures of him, he does not look like he's he was 54. He looked a lot older than that, so he might have had. <laughs> uh, he might have been doing some other things. Uh, who knows? Um, so the question: What Sunny Boy Williamson am I personally connected to? Um, Sunny Boy Number One or Sunny Boy Number Two? Well, according to my dad. It was Sonny Boy number one, John Lee Curtis Williamson. Um, He's a distant cousin of ours on my dad's side. Um, Like I said, um, Sonny Boy number one, he was born in Jackson, Tennessee. And my father and that side of the family were born around. Brownsville, which is Haywood in um, Lauderdale in Ripley Lauderdale counties, which is not far from Jackson. And if you look at pictures, I, I was looking at some of the early pictures. I mean, there's only a few pictures of um, Sonny Boy Number One, and he does have a. Um, you could you could see that there are some family um, resemblance. I'm not sure. Um, what the relation, you know, relations is. I'll have to do some digging. Um, I, maybe I'll ask my my brother, and I can do some digging and see how he was with the actual relation is. But um, he is a distant cousin. So Sonny Boy number one is actually a personal connection to me, um, and it's sad because he. Actually, was the pioneer. He's the one that started the the distinctive style of um, the harmonica, and he didn't live long to even, you know, see the fruit of his labor. And it, and and people kind of forgot who he was because of Rice Miller. And I'm not taking away from Rice Miller because Rice Miller took it took what Sonny Boy Number One did and took it to another level. But it's just, you know, you know, sad how his life was. My cousin's life was cut short, you know, over something so senseless and so, you know, just senseless. Be getting beaten to death, and only they received out of the beating. Uh, you know, robbery was only fifty cents. I mean, it's just. I don't know. (sighs) I don't know. But anyway, <clears throat> so that's the story of both Sonny Boy's number one and Sonny Boy number two. So if you are interested, look it up and see the pictures of both of them. Um, like I said, Sonny Boy number one, I can see some of the family resemblance. Um, I would like to uh, research more and see what exactly the um, family line, was the relation to us. I'm not sure, but I, I can't. I mean, you know, where he was born in Madison County, which is Jackson, is not far from Brownsville and, you know, Haywood and, and Lauderdale counties where my dad and his family are from. So uh, I, I'm not sure what side was it was from his mother's side or was it his dad's side. So that's something I might have to um, actually um, try to find out. All right. And so that is the story of. Sunny Boy is number one and two. Um, the sources that I've received um, that I looked up for Sunny Boy number one was Mount Zion Memorial.org, um, uh, Tennessee State.edu, info, please, dot com. Incidentally, Sunny Boy is um, buried. Sunny Boy number one is back home in Jackson, which ironically, he did record a song saying, I want to be buried back in Jackson, Tennessee. So my cousin is back home where he came from. Um, as far as um, sources for study boy number two, Rice Miller, I looked um, through on the website, Mississippi Writers and Musician, um, wikipedia.com and allmusic.com. So there you go. That's... Um, The mystery of the two Sunny Boys, Sunny Boy Number One and Sunny Boy Number Two. All right. um, Again, if you're interested in buying a T-shirt of the More Wine and Music podcast, go to www.morewineandmusic.com and purchase one today. There's also a tote bag that you can use, that you can um, or if you want to drink coffee and tea. Um, there's a um, War, Wine, and Music podcast uh, logo on the coffee mug um, that I, I think I'm going to get that myself. All right, so next episode, episode number nine next week, I'm going to talk about another blind, <laughs> all these blind blues musicians. This one is Blind Willie McTell, and that that I think that's an interesting story too. So. I will be talking about him. So I appreciate um, the live who's on um, watching me on the podcast. So I appreciate your support and um, I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for listening in. All right. You guys have a good weekend. Be safe and be blessed. Good night.